0: We thank the ensemble for that stirring ministry of music. It would be impossible for me to overestimate the importance of the event that we are celebrating today. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is absolutely crucial to humanity, that Christ died and that he rose again. It is the core doctrine of the Christian church. It is the very foundation upon which we build our entire faith. We have empty crosses scattered throughout our church as symbols of Christ's death and then ultimately resurrection it is such an important event that worship changed from the Sabbath when in the Old Testament Israel worshiped on the Sabbath day which would be our Saturday and worship has changed today to a Sunday because we celebrate the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead and all worship has changed as a result as we think about the central message of the Word of God, we can sum it up as the Gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly the core doctrine that is central to the Gospel, again, is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because 1 Corinthians 15 states, If Christ did not rise... We are yet in our sins. If Christ did not rise, we would have no hope of eternal life. If Christ had not risen, there would be no way for us to expitiate our sin. If Christ did not rise, Paul said, we are of all men most miserable. But we have the good news. We're able to celebrate. We're able to say with joy, Christ indeed has risen from the dead. And I would like you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as I focus this morning on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as the Apostle Paul reflects upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, reading at verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So this morning we focus on the gospel the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is that gospel? Again, literally, it is good news. It is the message of salvation. It is the message of deliverance. In 1 Corinthians fifteen two, it says, By which also you are saved. The gospel is the message of salvation. It's the message of how people can be saved. But one must ask, but saved from what? What is it that we are saved from when we talk about the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the answer to that is that we are saved from sin. Saved from sin. 1 Corinthians fifteen three says, that I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for or on account of our sins. Sin is the failure to do good. And it is also the wrongdoing. It is the, the moral inadequacy that we all encounter. And the scripture teaches, and it's not hard to see in our own lives, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have done things that are wrong. We have all done things that are unacceptable in God's sight. And the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death. Is death. So Jesus died on account of our sins. He bore the penalty of our of our death. So when we talk about being saved from sin... We consider it in three different aspects. There are three elements that we are saved as we think about salvation this morning. First, we are saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the penalty of sin. Sin has its penalty. Sin has its wages. Romans 6.23 It has its consequences. And that consequence is death. And death is both physical and spiritual. Death in the scripture is not an end or a succession of life. Death is separation. Separation. And so when we talk about spiritual death, we're talking about spiritual separation from God, in which we are unable to be In the presence of God. Physical death is the separation of body and soul. We die physically at the time in which our body and soul are no longer united. When we think about life, when we think about who we are as human beings, that emotion, that will, that ability to think, That ability to communicate is all encompassed in what the scripture refers to as a soul. As a soul. And when you die, there is a separation of body and soul. The body is placed in the ground. The body goes to dust. But the soul, the soul continues on in a conscious state. Either in the presence of God or separated from God. Either enjoying the blessings that are to be had with him or encountering the great loss that's associated from not being in his presence. So Jesus died in order to save us, deliver us from death. Both spiritual death, being separated from the Father, and physical death of body and soul. And I will talk more about that in a few moments. Secondly, we're saved from the power of sin. Sin, by its very nature, is addictive. And there are some sins that we know that are extremely addictive. That they are hard to rid ourselves of. But sin in general, we have an inability to totally conquer. Oh, we may be able to resist sin and temptation for a while. Or we may be able to get rid of certain sins and certain wrongdoing. But we cannot be sinless. We are under the power of Sin. The Scripture refers to us as being enslaved to sin. And we find ourselves making resolutions, decisions, saying that we're going to turn over a new leaf. We're going to act differently. We're going to be different kinds of people. We're no longer going to lose our temper. We're no no longer going to exhibit behaviors that are inappropriate. But we find an inability to do so. The Scripture says, Can the leopard change his spots? And the answer is no. So Jesus died to save us from that enslaving power of sin. And then thirdly, Jesus died to save us from the very presence of sin. The very presence of sin. So that we would be free From the sin that surrounds us. Sin is everywhere. Evil abounds. I don't need to prove that this morning. All you need to do is open the newspaper, uh, turn on the TV, uh, glance at a computer screen, and you know the evils that abound in this world. We all suffer from them. It's a place of danger. It's a place of corruption. It's a place of immorality. But Jesus Christ died to save us from the very presence of sin. So that we can be with Him. In a place where there is no more sin. There is no more evil. There is no more corruption. There is no more death. There is no more dying. There is eternal bliss. Jesus Christ died to save us from the penalty of sin. From the power of sin and from the very presence of sin. The basis of the gospel, the basis of that good news that we are delivered from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and the presence of sin, focuses upon the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved through Him. For we find in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 15 starting at verse 2 by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance what also I received that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture Christ died for our sins as I said the wages of sin is death Christ experienced our death. He took upon Himself our death. The Scripture says the iniquity of us all was laid upon Him. Jesus Christ was sinless. Jesus Christ had committed no sin. He died voluntarily on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. To remove the power of sin and to deliver us from the very presence of sin. He died in the place of all those who would put their faith and trust in Him. Christ died in the fullest sense. He died both spiritually and physically. Remember, spiritual death is separation from God. And Jesus Christ experienced that separation for us. When He hung upon the cross, And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment, Jesus was experiencing spiritual death. At that moment, he was experiencing spiritual separation from God so that we would never have to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But we can talk about our God, who is a friend which sticketh closer than a brother. We can talk about having an eternal relationship to God. Jesus Christ bore our spiritual death. He also bore our physical death. And that's why in our text it says in verse uh, 4 that he was buried. You see, he died on the cross, died physically. On the cross. And that body was taken down. And placed. In a tomb. But the body. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did not remain. In the tomb. His spirit. Continued on. And he was able to say. To the thief that was on the cross. Today. You will be with me in paradise. Today. You will be with me in the presence of God. But his body was in the tomb. But we are celebrating this morning that that body that hung upon the cross, that physical body that was in the tomb was reunited, soul and body, and came forth out of that tomb. And that's what we mean by resurrection. It is a physical resurrection. Bring back to life. Christ experienced physical and spiritual death for us. But Christ triumphed over sin and death. Christ triumphed over sin and death as evidenced by His rising from the dead after the third day. That he'd been placed in the tomb. This Easter Sunday morning we are celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead, an empty tomb in which he was buried. No one, no thing, could keep Jesus in the tomb. What is remarkable about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is that He did not need anyone to raise Him from the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I laid down my life that I may take it again. We have instances recorded in the Scripture where people have been raised from the dead. But no one ever before or ever again has the power to raise themselves, has the power to assume life by oneself. It is because Jesus is both the giver and sustainer of life. He is the creator of life. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. God, and the Word was with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, in the book of John. And so, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering spiritual death as He ascended into the very presence of God. Conquering physical death as His body came forth from the tomb. Christ triumphs over the very presence of sin as evidenced by his power in coming forth from the grave. For no one or no entity could keep Jesus in the tomb. He conquered all evil. Satan couldn't keep him in the tomb. The Roman government put soldiers at the very entrance of that tomb. But you see... No Roman authority could keep Jesus in the tomb. There was no one, no thing that could keep Jesus in the tomb. And so Ephesians says that he was raised far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that was named on this earth. There is no power, no entity, no force that Jesus did not conquer. That Jesus did not subdue. And so He secured for us that eternal promise that we are going to be spared from the very presence of sin for no one can overcome Him. No one can overpower Him. That's the good news. That we can be saved through Jesus Christ. We are looking forward to a time In which we die physically. And remember, death is separation of body and soul. And so if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, one day you're going to die and your body is going to be placed in in a grave. But your soul continues on. That emotion, that will, that intellect continues on. That consciousness continues on and you are then in the very presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But That's not the end of the story. We're looking forward to the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And when He does, the Bible teaches that the dead in Christ are raised again. We are going to be reunited body And soul. We are going to be physically resurrected unto a new life and a new experience that's much like the life that we now have. And we're going to have that life, that existence for all eternity future. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how is one saved? The answer is by believing. 1 Corinthians 15.2 By which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Unless you believed in an empty, meaningless way. The faith that we have is extremely important. And so I want to talk to you about what that faith is like. Because the scriptures say that the demons believe and tremble. The, the demons believe that Jesus rose from the dead for they have seen it. They have known it. But they have not sub- submitted themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. When we talk about belief in the Bible, it is more than just mere intellectual Uh, uh, consent to a propositional truth. That's not what belief is in the Bible. It's not mere cognizant mental consent to propositional truth. So, what is belief in the Bible? It has three elements. First, believing the gospel message includes the idea of welcoming or embracing that truth. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 1. Now I made known to you, brothers, the gospel which I preached to you, and then notice these words, which also you received. Paul preached the gospel, even as I had been declaring the gospel. Paul preached that gospel, and he says to the Corinthians, You received it. You welcomed it. You embraced it. You took it for yourself. John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the children of God who are born not of flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. So the Gospel has to be embraced. It has to be received. It has to be welcomed. It has to be appreciated. It is... The inner man's response when they hear the gospel that they say, That's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I desire today. That's what I want. I want to be saved from the power, excuse me, I want to be saved from the penalty of sin. I don't want to experience spiritual separation from God. I don't want Him to abandon me. I don't want him to cast me out. I want to be in his presence. I want to experience physical life. I want to know what that is is all about. I want to be saved from the penalty of sin. I want to be delivered from sin's power. I'm tired of this miserable life that I'm living. I am ashamed that I have disgraced the God who has created me. I am sorry for the harm and the hurt that I've created to my family and friends. I'm ashamed of my behaviors. I want to be delivered. I want a new kind of existence here and now. I want to be a changed person. I am that leopard that cannot change its spots. Oh God, I want to be delivered from my sin. And thirdly, it's that desire to embrace The environs in which I am going to be free from the very presence of sin. That we are tired of this wicked world in which we live. That it vexes our soul. That we are undone. We are weary of it. We don't want to live in the danger and the misery of a sin-ridden world. We want to know the bliss of being in a situation in which now I'm going to be finally free from sin. You see, that's not, that's not the way the wicked talk. That's not the way that everyone thinks. I can remember in many situations in the workplace, being around people that glibly talk about hell and about how they're looking forward to the greatest party that they've ever had. As though hell is going to be a celebration of wickedness. And it's going to be just a continual orgy and drinking and carousing and all of the sinful manifestation that people want. Well, some people want to be delivered from that. Some people want to be out of that environment. And then it's those people that say, Oh God, I want to be saved. I want to be delivered. From the very presence of sin. So the first step of belief. Is wanting. The deliverance. That the gospel offers. Wanting. To be freed from sin. It's. Penalty. It's power. It's presence. Secondly. Believing the gospel message. Includes the idea. Of trusting in Jesus. For that deliverance. From sin. Trusting in Jesus. The biblical belief or faith is synonymous with trust. So let me give you a simple illustration of the difference between the worldly understanding of belief and the biblical understanding of belief. Let's imagine for a moment that uh, you are gathered in a huge crowd at Niagara Falls. My family, uh, my wife and I were able to be there just a a few years ago. We enjoyed it. What a magnificent view. But just think, if you would, of being at Niagara Falls and there is a tightrope walker. A tightrope is strung all the way across from one side of the falls to the other. And there is a tightrope walker up there and and he is going to make his way across the tightrope from one side of the falls to the other. But not only is he going to walk across, but he's going to do it pushing a wheelbarrow. So can you envision this? Can you, can you picture this? Here is this tightrope walker slowly, steadily making his way across this tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow. And so the crowd looks as he sways and they gasp oh, as he almost falls. But he makes it and, and he progresses and he gets to the other side and the crowd erupts. Yay! Yeah! He did it! Yay! Yeah! And they are cheering him on. They're commending him. They're patting him on the back. And he descends into the crowd as people praise him and rejoice in this great magnificent feat. And he walks up to a person and says, Do you believe I could do it again? Sure. I just saw you do it. I believe you could do that. I believe you could do it again. Then sit in the wheelbarrow. Gospel belief is the sitting in the wheelbarrow. Gospel belief is living life without a safety net. It's trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. Not Jesus plus something. Not Jesus' death and my good works. Not Jesus' death and some other God. And not Jesus' death and the way in which I am going to conform my life. It is trust in Jesus alone. It's abandoning all other gods. It's abandoning all other hopes. It's putting yourself solely in the care of Jesus Christ. That now you are walking with Him. It's trusting in Him for salvation. So then thirdly, believing the gospel includes the idea of genuine or lasting persuasion retarding the truth of the gospel. Notice 1 Corinthians 15.2 By which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you. Experiencing and anticipating the salvation of God. So that this idea of holding fast is the idea of continuing on In your belief and expectation. True belief, you see, doesn't wane. It doesn't change. It doesn't peter out. We can make emotional decisions so that we feel one way today and then tomorrow we regret the decision we made yesterday. Impulsive decisions. Again, that's not biblical belief. Biblical belief has this anticipation, has this expectation. has the idea of waiting, waiting, anticipating. It carries with it a present and future salvation. It is understanding this deliverance in a very practical real way today and also tomorrow. So, for example, experiencing salvation from spiritual death. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your attitude has changed. And your relationship with God has changed. We talk about having a personal relationship with God. There is that sense of being accepted by God. Knowing that our sins are forgiven. That sense of peace that comes over us in knowing that now we have a relationship to God. He is my God. I am His people. He is my... My Lord, He is my Savior. He is the Good Shepherd. I am the sheep. I have a relationship to God. And we anticipate even a closer and deeper and greater relationship in the future. It's experiencing and anticipating deliverance from the power of sin. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've experienced to some degree His deliverance from the power of sin. Your life has been changing. 1 Corinthians 5:17 states, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. Your life is changing if you do know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You can look back and you can see how certain practices have gone by the wayside. How new attitudes have been replaced. How you are becoming a, a better person. But we will never be sinless in this life, but we will in the life to come if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. It's anticipating and longing for that day in which I am going to be finally and totally free from sin's power over me. Paul said, his testimony was in the book of Romans, those things that I do are the things that I don't want to do. And the things I want to do are those things I don't want to do. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your your Savior, you can identify with that. You know how there are times that you don't want to do certain things, and yet you find yourself doing them. And there are certain things that you want to do, and yet you find yourself not doing. But one day, all of that tension is going to be relieved. That's the salvation that we anticipate. Right now, we're experiencing, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, a change of environment. That uh, being around Christians is different from being around the people of the world. The conversation is different. I don't expect to hear the Lord's name taken in vain when I gather with a group of Christians. I don't expect certain behaviors to take place. I expect that when I gather with Christians that my belongings are going to be safe and I don't have to lock them up. I believe that when I gather with God's people that there is going to be a sense of being welcomed. I expect a different environment. But one day, one day you see, the environment is totally different. For there's no more sin at all. Even with Christians. And right now, though I expect it to be different, sometimes we're disappointed. But yet we know the distinction. We know the difference of being with the people of true believers and how they conduct themselves. But we anticipate and we look forward to and we long for the day in which we are going to be together sinlessly. Where there are no more thieves and And murderers and all of that which takes place. That is the gospel. That is what we look forward to. That is what we put our faith in. Any other belief is empty. It's vain. Faith for faith alone is meaningless. It isn't faith, period, that saves. It's faith in Jesus Christ that saves. It isn't that you believe you're going to heaven. There's loads of people that believe they're going to heaven for a thousand and one reasons. But that's not going to save them. In fact, it's going to disappoint them. And yes, there are many other religions on the face of this earth. And I know that we live in a politically correct time in which this statement is greatly opposed. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by Me. There is no other way than Jesus Christ. And if there would have been some other way, then how awful it would be that God the Father would send His Son to die on this cross. The very fact that the Son of God died on that cross ought to tell you and tell me that there is no other way. Or if there were some other way, Jesus died in vain. There is no other way. So unless you have believed in vain, believed in something that isn't true, believed in a way that gives mere mental assent, but not real embracing the Gospel and trusting the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are saved. So, The application this morning is quite simple. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've embraced the Gospel, if you've asked Him to save you from your sins, then today is a day of rejoicing and a reminder that we are not in our sins, that we are going to be in His presence because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have never, ever received Christ as your Savior, embraced Him, Trusted Him in the way that I've been describing this morning, that I have an invitation for you. And that is embrace the Gospel. Receive the Gospel. Welcome the Gospel. Which says, I need salvation. I need salvation from the penalty of sin. From being separated from God for all eternity. For experiencing physical death. Without knowing the realities and blessings of spiritual life. Being freed from the power of sin. I'm tired of the way that I live. I want to experience God's forgiveness. I want to experience God's change. I long for the day that I will be totally free from sin. And be in His presence in a sinless condition. With a bunch of other sinless people. Enjoying life forevermore if that's what you want, then I encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. All other religions, all other hopes, all other expectations, put aside. Place yourself in the wheelbarrow and say, I am committed to Jesus Christ. That through Him, I have life. And this morning you can be saved because Jesus Christ died and rose again. So in just a moment, we're going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to ask, is there anyone here who wants to embrace the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who wants to experience salvation from the penalty and power and presence of sin? If that's what you want this morning, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way publicly. But I want to know that the Spirit of God has done a work in your life. And I want to pray for you in a generic sense. I'm not going to mention you by name. Uh, I'm not going to single you out. But uh, I want to, to pray for you this morning. So, when I ask, would you just quickly raise your hand? It's not going to be long. It's not going to be drawn out. Uh, I don't want to, to pressure people into a decision. That's not saving faith. But if you this morning embrace the Gospel, you say, that's what I want. And I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ. Then raise your hand and uh, we want to pray. Let's pray.